from TomDispatch.com. This is TomCast, interviews and insight from Tom Dispatch contributors for anyone seeking a deeper understanding of our post-9-11 world and a clear sense of how our global imperial system actually works. I'm Timothy McBain. Recently, I had the pleasure of speaking again with Andy Kroll, the Washington, D.C. correspondent for Mother Jones Magazine and an associate editor for Tom Dispatch. We talked about the recent gubernatorial recall election in Wisconsin and what Scott Walker's win means for the future. Walker's win, was it a result of legitimate majority support, or do you think it was a case of not enough anti-Walker voters coming out to the polls because they weren't really that enthusiastic about the alternative, Tom Barrett? Obviously, it's a, it's a majority support. A majority of folks came out and, and backed him in this election. I mean, I think it's a combination of the two things that you describe. There are a surprising number of folks in Wisconsin who truly brought it, bought into his message and believe that he's got the state on the right track and that he deserves to stay in office to fulfill his first term. And I think there were other folks as well who maybe were on the fence, maybe independent voters, did not like the alternative, which was Tom Barrett, the mayor of Milwaukee, a Democrat, who lost to Scott Walker in the 2010 gubernatorial race. So, I mean, I think you had a, a, a case of a not-so-popular candidate running against a sitting governor who had a message that people really bought. And, I mean, there are lots of other elements in play here, but, you know, the Democrats not being able to put up a really strong candidate, I think, certainly contributes to their loss. Are there other candidates out there that you think might have had a better chance? You know, there are very few. The one name that comes up is that of former Senator Russ Feingold. He is a progressive stalwart. He... He's very tough on issues of money and politics. He's very popular in Wisconsin. His name was brought up a lot in the early stages of putting this recall together and looking for a Democratic challenger. But Feingold, rightly, we now know, decided against it and didn't want to have anything to do with that candidacy. And, you know, it, it left the Democrats really grasping for someone that uh, could, fit, could fit that role. And the candidate they have clearly didn't energize people like Russ Feingold has in the past. Yeah, and, and one common complaint, obviously, you know, about American electoral politics is that it's so often difficult to tell the difference between Republicans and Democrats when it comes to actual policy. Are the residents of Wisconsin looking elsewhere, or are they focused really on that two-party battle? It's a good question. I, mean, I think they have been, you know, focused on that two-party battle, looking at the Democrats and the Republicans. Wisconsin, however, is a state uh, more than others that has a rich history of forward-thinking politicians and forward-thinking citizens, you know, looking for alternatives outside that two-party advantage. And the Progressive Party is a big example here with, you know, uh, fighting Bob LaFollette. He was a Republican back when Republicans were more like Democrats than we know now. He was a Republican, didn't like where his party was headed, and broke off and, and inserted a third party, the Progressive Party. But I don't know if there are talks of doing the same thing now, given that, you know, progressives in Wisconsin are so pissed off at both Democrats and Republicans. But the energy is there for some sort of alternative. The energy is there for taking a, you know, striking out and taking a new path that doesn't involve a traditional two-party system. And whether they sort of take the leap and try that or not remains to be seen. 
And in your article, you outlined the relationship between the Wisconsin protests and the Occupy Wall Street movement, which happened afterwards and kind of was inspired by the Wisconsin protests. One offered criticism of Occupy was that they were not focused enough. They didn't have a specific mission statement, as it were. How does Wisconsin compare in that regard? Are they more focused? Do they have a specific agenda? The Wisconsin protests grew out of Scott Walker's surprise attack on labor unions in Wisconsin, public sector labor unions and and collective bargaining rights, as well as, you know, reforms that just made it harder for unions to exist. And so so the protests in Wisconsin had a focus and had a central, you know, sort of animating cause from the start. They They had a divisive governor who was looking to kneecap labor unions and essentially defund the Democratic Party and to fund the left because labor unions serve a very important role in providing funding and uh, grassroots manpower for Democratic and progressive candidates. So they had a focus from the beginning. And, you know, I think now they have to try to, you know, if, if this, if, if the energy and the, the feeling of mass protest that sprung up in Wisconsin in February and March of 2011, if it survives and continues outside of, you know, the perpetual recall elections that we've seen in Wisconsin, if it finds a way to keep moving forward, it will have to find a new focus. And it, you know, that we were seeing the Occupy folks struggle with a way forward and struggle with, you know, how to proceed. And, you know, some of them support electoral politics, going into electoral politics, and some of them say they need to work outside the system. And I, and I think that with the folks in Wisconsin, the ones that I know who are really central to those protests are grappling with, you know, very similar types of questions uh, about what comes next and do they go the, the traditional route with candidates and elections or do they try to or they try something new? And in, in your experience speaking to these, uh, to the protesters and anti-Walker voters, what are they seeing as their next move? Do you see people leaning a certain way? They, it, it's very scattered right now. It's very diffuse right now. We're just finished with the, the gubernatorial recall and so there is a sort of uh, a recall hangover among these folks in Wisconsin. That said, you know, I, I follow these people online, on Twitter, and on Facebook, and some of them have called for move your money campaigns, essentially, or boycotts. You know, folks that supported Governor Walker in his, in his recall effort, not spending money at establishments that are owned by these people or not doing business with these people. Um, you know, we're seeing efforts to just get out some sort of visual, you know, people-powered protest on a more frequent basis against just, you know, the, the governor's policies of slashing education funding and, you know, privatizing state services. So, so it, there, I think right now there are, there are many different options being looked at and many different ideas being put out there. And the question is, will these people get together as they did, you know, a year and, and four months ago and try to unite again and, and become a force again in their state? To read Andy Kroll's article, Getting Rolled in Wisconsin, Why Electoral Politics Sold Out the Popular Uprising in the Badger State, and Why It's Not All Over, please visit TomDispatch.com. I'm Timothy McBain, and until we meet again, thanks for listening.